Welcome to Beyond the Fences, sponsored by Headbanger Sports, with your hosts, Coach Rack, Mike Talbot, and Chris Bastien. And today we are going to go through and talk about um, one of the videos that Rack actually did for Headbanger Sports. And it was uh, kind of requested by a lot of the comments and uh, a lot of views that we had throughout TikTok. And it's just really going to go in and discuss the 30-second mental shift to get back on track at the plate. Um, Rack, what was your thoughts when you were going into this video? Yeah, definitely. Well, the, the videos that I post on social media generally perform the best when I'm talking about mindset. I think it's because baseball is such a mental game. So uh, my thought process when, when making this that video was uh, I want to give a 30-second mindset shift that a player can run through. Maybe they're stepping up to the box. They feel themselves getting nervous or scared. I wanted a process that they can rehearse in their head so that they can feel comfortable again at the plate and get themselves back on the offensive. Absolutely. And I know everybody that, that has played sports at some point in time has always had some type of a mental block or they've been nervous in a situation. Can I do this? Can I do this? And, you know, there's certain players that can go through that and not have that blockage. And I, I guess I wasn't one of them. Uh, were you? <laughs> what about? I have that blockage still. Yeah. I mean, even doing these podcasts, sometimes we're like in the middle of a conversation, we're talking, I have no idea what I'm going to talk about or what I've been talking about for the previous two minutes. So, Rack, when you were at the plate and you were playing, what was the, you know, what was the biggest issue that you had when you jumped in? Yeah, I think a lot of times I would um, get caught up in the moment and in my head, it would, I would just inflate it into something that was way bigger than it actually, than I thought it was, you know? And I think that's, that's the same thing that we experience, you know, whether it's, whether it's public speaking, whether it's any other sports, like you get yourself in the moment, it, it's not actually that big of a deal if you mess up or if you don't do something right, but you bring, you know, blow it up in your head into something big. Um, and that's where the issues are. So I think, uh, what I was trying to hit on with that video was, uh, this really basic concept of, um, picturing yourself from an outsider perspective, you know, like imagining yourself as uh, the pitcher in that scenario who's having to face you and, and realizing the kind of pressure that they're under having to face you. And I think uh, doing a little mindset shift like that can can kind of shift you back onto an offensive mentality, which which is what you need to have when when you're at the plate. Yeah, it's funny you actually went there because my son has been he. I guess you could say struggling. I mean, he's he's doing very well in my eyes, but in his eyes, he's struggling. And, you know, one of the things that his coaches actually pulled him aside and he, he pulled him over and he said, Landon, let me ask you something. He said, when you're when you're at the plate, what are you thinking about? He said, well, I don't I don't want to screw up. And I'm like, well, he goes, uh, what, what do you think the pitcher's thinking? You have a full count and he's in there and he's back. He's up against you. You have a seven or eight pitch at back going. What's going through his mind? And Landon said, he's probably pretty nervous. And he goes, yeah, you're damn right he is. <laughs> yeah. He said, you know, so you have to kind of take a step back and realize, like, it's not just you that's nervous in that situation. And you have to push forward and try and be a little bit more of a mentally strong person, I guess you can say. Yeah, no, 100%. And, and that, I love the example you gave there, because uh, especially if you get detailed in imagining what the pitcher is is thinking up there, like say in that scenario, you know, you're in a seven pitch at bat, you feel like there's a bunch of pressure on you. Oh no, I'm one pitch away from striking out. Well, well, think about the pitcher's thinking, like he's throwing you seven pitches and still hasn't managed to get you out yet. He's supposed to get you out 70, 80% of the time. And he still hasn't done it after seven pitches. Like if I'm a pitcher in that scenario, I'm thinking, shoot, my stuff just isn't good enough to get past this guy, you know? And you, if you realize that, when you're in the box, and again, it's hard to do when you're in the moment, and it's something that needs to be trained, I think, from young ages. But if you can realize uh, that that 
pressure that's on the pitcher in the moment, you could take all the pressure off yourself and, and you can shift your focus instead of, you know, from, I uh, don't screw up to no, I'm, I'm on the offensive here. I want the ball, right? Yes. Like, I, I've always, I've always taught kids that even at the youngest age is I want you to go up to the plate. I want you to be in the field and I want you to want that situation. You want to be the man that takes the game over, that wins the game for your team. And that's all you should think about. You know, if, if you're nervous and you're up at the plate, and I know it's easy to say, obviously, because we all get to the plate and we all think complete opposite, even though, you know, looking at it from a third, like from here, sounds yeah. easy. <laughs> but when you're up there and you're actually in that situation, it's completely opposite. And I think everybody that's ever played the game or any sport to that extent has always had, you know, that kind of mentality at one point in time or another. Definitely. Mike, what was your experience with the mental game? My mental game from when I played, it wasn't bad at the plate. Mine was more on the defensive side. When I pitched, if my fastball wasn't working, then I had no faith that I could get you out. But behind the plate, I mean, I was always a decent hitter, so I never worried about that. I was one of the better hitters on the team. So, but mine was more defense. Or when I caught, because I didn't want to be the guy that dropped the ball and let a pass ball go by and then a run score off of that. So, For sure. No. That was that was probably my biggest thing. I had more mental issues when I caught because you're in every play. So I loved it though. And you don't want to mess up more than yeah, once. I love it. If you have that ADD, it's like you you have to be within that game yeah. all the time. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go into this rack because I listened to you on another podcast with uh, Jesse K. Um, what's it What's it called again? Unpolished Gems unpolished gems and i listened to the entire thing and and i one of the things that really got to me was when you brought up the yips and having the yips at the plate and getting into the situation where you pretty much froze up why don't you go into that for us and kind of explain what the yips is for everybody that doesn't know and then how what your thoughts are on the easiest way to cure that yeah, definitely. Uh, it's, it's funny. I didn't realize how big of a deal this was. I, I made a video on it a few months back and got so much feedback. And since then, I've had people even come up to me in person who I didn't even knew, know play baseball. And they were like, hey, man, like the yips are what took me out of the game. Like I stopped playing at this age because I, I couldn't play anymore because of them. Um, so they can be super debilitating. Basically, for those of you who don't know, the yips are a kind of a it's a mental block that you almost catch like a virus in baseball. And um the reason I say that is because it's, you can't, it's not like a series of events usually that lead to it. It sometimes just happens to players. And, and when it does happen, it will, uh, you cause your body to lock up whenever you need it to perform. And so for pitchers, that can look like just not being able to throw a strike or anywhere remotely close to home plate when you step on the mound. Uh, a lot of times it happens to second basemen. They have that really short, easy throw to first base. And a lot of times second basemen will get it to where they just cannot make that throw to save their life. Um, and it's not just like an accuracy or mechanical thing. It's like they literally cannot throw a ball, you know, where they need to. And for me, it happened, um, at third base is, is where it happened to me. And, and it didn't happen to me until, uh, my sophomore year of college. And then it, it kind of, uh, resurfaced, uh, again, once, once I got to pro ball. It's that ball will find you mentality almost like you make one mistake in the field and you know, you get that game yip and then all of a sudden it's just one after another, after another, like the, the guy that's a shortstop that never makes an error. The guy that's in the infield that never makes an error. You overthrow that one ball and then you start second guessing everything. You start second guessing. Can I do this? Why am I doing this? And you try and change something instead of just going back to that 
what got you there phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think it happens in a spectrum. Uh, I think some people have it where it'll, yeah, it'll happen to a shortstop for a couple, for a game. And you'll see a guy who never makes an error, make four errors in a game. And then the next game, he's fine. He's got it back and, and it is what it is. But then there's other players who, um, maybe it's more of a deep, deeper uh, internal issue and they'll find themselves with the yips for years and, and never get over it. Um, and that was kind of the more this type of situation I find, found myself in uh, when I was out in Florida uh, with the Nationals. It's funny. So rewind a couple years. I'm, I'm at Biola. I'm in my sophomore year. Um, I was playing second base mostly. Defense was never my strong suit. I was probably a little insecure in my defensive abilities, but um, yeah, I was like Mike. I could just I could just rake, and that was it. But um, they put me over at third base because I had a decent arm, and I get over there. Very first game of the year, I uh, balls hit to me. I I sailed the throw a little high. It wasn't a terrible throw. Nothing crazy. Didn't think anything of it. A couple innings later, they hit me another ball, and that one I spike. I threw it down into the ground. Um, just, just a few feet in front of him. Again, it wasn't a horrible throw, probably could have been picked. Um, but then I, and I didn't think anything of it at the time either, but then the third ball gets hit to me. And again, this is all in the same game. This one, I sail like 20 feet over the first baseman's head. And when I threw that one, I felt my body lock up and I was like, okay, whoa, something was very wrong there. Um, and at that point, obviously I'm embarrassed. I've made three errors and it's home opener. It's my first game with Biola. I'm thinking, man, they think I suck. Um, and another ball gets hit to me in that game, and I threw it away again. So that sophomore year was the start of the yips for me. I never played third base again until I would get to pro ball later. Didn't that happen in now ball too? At second base? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or who was the second baseman in the pros? I think you're right. And I know it, it for sure happened to Rick Ankiel. I mean, you see it all the time. He was an all-star and then just, and then just couldn't <clears> make the throw. Say I don't think it's anything that you can really truly control. It's just like a mental blockage at that point in time, and you you know you make so many mistakes within one certain period that you're like, what am I doing? Like, why can't I? I mean, I do it on a golf course, right? You go out there, you go to a driving range, yeah. and you hit thirty balls down the center over and over and over again. I get up to the tee box, and the first one shanked fifty yards into the woods, and I'm like, what the hell just happened? Yeah, like, what made me do that? Right. But it's just like a mental block and like your body locks up and you can't figure out how to fix it. So I have that when we play slow pitch, like I pitch, I can hit the plate every time you ask me, Yep. you put me at catcher. I can't make the catcher to throw a pitcher. I throw it over. I throw it at the ground. I throw it in the right field. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know All if that's time. necessarily the yips, I but I guess no. It might be. I have the permanent yips. It might be I have the permanent yips at the catcher. No, I believe it. I, I I played with a guy actually at Biola, and this guy raked like an absolutely swing it like no one I've ever seen before. He was a catcher. Um, and he ended up not even playing. Um, he didn't even start in his senior year very much. And because he had the yips, he couldn't throw the ball back to the pitcher. Um, you get him in the outfield and th- have him throw the ball home. He had a cannon, super good arm, but could not throw the ball back to the pitcher as a catcher. So that's definitely a thing. And so, uh, with me, when I got to pro ball, um, they told me the, the one position where I've ever had the yips was was third base. And and Mike, you can probably confirm this. If you're throwing from, say, center field and you have to throw into second base or something, it's probably no problem, right? Mm-hmm. No problem. You could do it. Um, but you get you at a certain position where maybe you've done it a few times and it becomes this little thing in your head. Um, and that's what I had at third base. And so I get out to pro ball and, and our infield coordinator, Jeff Garber, goes, hey, man, um, you know, we got Darren Baker. Dusty Baker's son at second base. We got Brady House, our first rounder at shortstop. You know, we want to put you 
at third base. Not many slouches there. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. And so they were like, yeah, we're going to move you to third base. We're obviously not going to move those guys around. So uh, is that cool with you? And I, I had a bunch of in advice going into pro ball. If someone asks you, do you play a position? You always say absolutely yes. And so I told them, yeah, absolutely. I play third base. No problem. And uh, and we go into practice. Honestly, it wasn't even an issue in practice. I, I Again, I hadn't played there in years. I thought it wouldn't come up again. I thought I'd be fine. Um, but we get into our first game and very first hitter of the game hits me a ground ball. And I was like, all right, here we go. I filled the ball and sure enough, body locks up. We had a six foot seven first baseman and I sailed it well over his head for my, like, this is my very first professional game. And in my head, I'm like, come on, man. Like I, I have to, like, this is my first impression for a lot of these people. We've got the owner of the organization in the stands watching right now. And I just sailed it, you know, 10 feet over our six foot seven first baseman's head. Um, so that was my intro to like really realizing I had the yips and, uh, oh, it sucked. It was the worst. Those aren't even like the yips. That's like a permanent thing. Cause you talked yourself into that one. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent, man. So let me ask you when you, when you get to that, like, is that something that, you know, I, I truly like, I don't feel like I have that, but now that I'm looking back on it, I'm like, you know, there's some, there's some chances there where at some point in time in my career, whether it been, you know, high school or even working and, you know, silly things like even our first podcast, like I just locked up, right? Like you just lock up mentally. And I don't think it's anything that anybody notices or knows about until somebody says you have the yips. And I'm like, well, what is the yips? So if somebody gets that position or they get that thought or they get that feeling, what is your recommendation on how to fix that? It's it's tough. And, and my I think the answer is that it takes a lot of mental work and it's funny because again, there, I don't, I, if you Google it, like, cause at the time I Googled it, I was like, Hey, okay, how do you fix the yips? Cause I, I'm kind of in a position here where this is my job. I got to figure this out. And, um, I Googled it, couldn't find anything good. Asked people, nobody had an answer. And I actually got the answer through a, a small group at church. The guy who was leading it, um, I, I went to this group and, uh, the guy was like, yeah, man, I know what your problem is. I was explaining, yeah, I had my first game. I threw the ball away. And he immediately is like, yeah, I know what your problem is. It's like, how do you you know what my problem is? Uh, and he goes, yeah, man, like you, you just got fear of man in you. You're, you're scared of what people think of you. And I was like, okay, go on. And he's like, well, um, if you didn't have anybody else there and you were just throwing the ball to a target, you probably would make about 97 out of 100 plays. It'd be no problem. And, you know, to bring back the golf example, if you're maybe at the range by yourself swinging, you could get to a point where you figure it out and you're actually hitting the ball pretty well regardless. But the problem becomes when you go and, and play in the game. To one degree or another, I had, you know, as he called it, fear of man. And uh, he gives me this book. It's called People Pleasing uh, by Lee Priolu, I believe. And uh, again, I had nothing else to do out there in Florida at the time. Um, so I started reading this book and uh, I, I, I quickly started realizing, yeah, like a lot of things that I do, a lot of my core motivations is that I want to be like seen by other people in a good light or I want to be like praised by other people in one way or another. Like in that instance, it was like I wanted to make a good impression on my coaches. I wanted to make a good impression on my teammates. I wanted to prove that I belonged there. That was like my motivation with a lot of things. You know, I was a lower draft signee. I wasn't the big money guy. And so in my head, I was coming from a division two college. In my head, I was like, okay, I've got to prove myself to these coaches. And that was kind of the wrong mindset that I need that um, I needed to get rid of. And, and the reason 
um, that I needed to get rid of it was because when you're playing for the affirmation of other people, especially in a failure based sport like baseball or even, even golf for that matter. Um, when you on a deep level care what other people think, uh, you, it, it alters your behavior. And, and when you fail, you don't deal with it very well. And if it happens enough, you create, you have this fear of failure that's developed in your head. So, so that's the root of it ultimately is a, is a fear problem. And, um, and so, yeah, it was, it was weird for me because I wouldn't say that I was a very fearful person or that I'm scared of anything in particular, but, um, I started to realize that the root cause of it was fear. And so usually the response to, um, you know, the yips or any sort of like mental doubt in the sports psychology world is, oh, well, you just need to affirm yourself positively. Tell yourself that you're going to do better next time, that you're going to be good. And I, the mo, as no matter how much I tried that, it wouldn't help me at all. It was like, I could try and hype myself up and say, I'm going to do good, but it's not going to happen. Like, I'm not going to do good. Um, and so instead of doing that, I, I did the exact opposite. I was like, all right, well, uh, if the root cause is fear, uh, and when you, you know, and, the way to conquer fear is to bring it into the light and face it. Then I'm going to picture myself in those uncomfortable scenarios that I really don't want to picture myself in. And then I'm going to be okay with the consequences. So I pictured myself throwing the ball away to first base over and over again. I pictured my coaches thinking that I suck. I pictured my teammates thinking that I suck. I pictured in great detail everything that I could possibly be afraid of. And after I had, and I was like mental work, literally every single day I did this every day I showed up to the park, I was nervous, I was scared. And, uh, I just would picture these things over and over again. Um, and that ended up being what would got me out of it. So it's funny because I'm, I'm literally, I Googled the yips and, and what it really says is it says, you know, you're, it's a neurological condition affecting specific muscles. It's also a condition which is known as focal dystonia. One of the ways that they recommend that you fix that is to do the opposite pretty much of what the affected task is to find relief. Meaning if you have, if you're a right-handed golfer, try golfing left hand. If you're a right-handed batter, try golfing left hand. So it's interesting because it's, it's such a, the, your mind is such a crazy thing. And you're, I think you're your own worst enemy for the most part, 95% of the time, you know, when I, after I got done watching that podcast and I, I listened to the yip situation of the fear of man, it literally opened my eyes up and you start thinking about like, not just sports, but in life, right? <clears throat> so business and, and public speaking and podcasting and things like that, get over your fear. Nobody really cares what you look like. Nobody really cares how you sound. You know, all they're doing is listening to you as a person. So be yourself and let things kind of go and flow from there. And, you know, I try after after I listened to that, I had had that conversation with my son and he's like, I, I have no fear. <laughs> like, I love that teenage mentality, yeah. man, that teenage mentality, like don't care. Right. But it's it's a it's a real situation and it's caused a lot of good, very, very, very good athletes to, I think, at some point in time, get out of the game that they love. I mean, I'm pretty sure you even said to me. A few times on the golf. Hundred percent. Mike, nobody cares. What everybody thinks. Yeah, nobody cares, Just man. Do your own thing. Have and fun. Listening to rack, and I'm like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, maybe I fear the man. <laughs> like, I've always been the person I want to make sure I please somebody. Like, yeah. I want everybody to think highly of me. people pleaser. So 
maybe I should stop caring. I don't think, I think there's a happy medium. Um, when, when you yeah. get into, you know, sports, business relationships in general, I think there's always something that, you know, you can earn respect by respecting other people. Yeah. You, you know, you don't have to please somebody and go out of your way to do things for people to like you. And I don't think a lot of people and athletes, especially when, like you said, Rack is, you know, you have a mistake on the field. Your coaches expect you to have mistakes. It's a game based on failure. Mm -hmm. Baseball, especially, you know, you, the only sport you can go, you know, 250, 300 and be in the Hall of Fame and fail seven out of 10 times. And it's the same thing in the field. Now, obviously, when you're fielding, you want that fielding percentage a lot higher than that. But mm -hmm. the best of the best, it happens every single night if you watch a baseball game. There is at least one error in that game, unless it's just a beautiful game of baseball. You're going to see somebody on that field make a mistake. you know. And I've watched it from the youth level all the way up to the professional level. I've heard great stories, especially with this. Like, But that, you know, your pastor having that conversation, if you're a man, I think that's something that people should really consider. Yeah, I had that same conversation with my with my son about baseball. Was he's in the soccer? He's huge in the soccer, and um, we were just having a conversation of what he wants to do when he gets older. And of course, he's eleven, so he wants to play pro soccer. Mm. And I'm like, you should probably play baseball. And he's like, why? And I was like, let me break it down for you. I said, if you're in the NFL and you're a kicker and you get ten kicks and you make three. You think you're kicking the next game? I mean, no. what, what's the guy's name from the Cowboys? <laughs> and, and I was like, <laughs> basketball. Say you get fouled five times. You get 10 free throws. You make two out of 10. You think they're going to put you on the court? Probably not. I said in soccer, you get 10 penalty kicks. You make two. They're probably not going to send you back up there. I said, baseball, if you hit four out of 10 pitches, you're Listen, a Hall of Famer. I have a hard time. I'm <laughs> telling you, I have a hard time comparing no batting averages and three, you know, three of ten, whatever it may be, to any other sport. Because yeah. you watch these guys and the best of the best, especially professional baseball pitchers, the stuff that they throw now is absolutely That's unbelievable. Like it's just, it's unbelievable. Like the movement on their fastballs, the yes. pop off their hand, how far out they can get. And like you, I was sitting watching a game the other day and uh, one of the parents on the sideline had a radar and it was one of the kids on our team. He's like, man, how fast do you think he's throwing? I was like, I don't know, probably low seventies. And he's like, you're wrong, man. I'm like, there's no way, dude. I'm usually act like I'm, I'm usually within two to three miles an hour. Like if I'm watching, I've watched enough baseball at this point, I can kind of see for the most part, especially at this age, what they're throwing. That boy was throwing 80 miles an hour. It didn't look at at all. But every single kid in that batter's box is whiffing because the ball's coming out so late at such a odd time. People don't understand what kind of what kind of talent it truly takes, what kind of hand-eye coordination, what kind of work. Like Rack, you you know, you're you're a coach Rack. You know how to teach these kids for the most part, at least to understand what type of work needs to go into being a good hitter. How many hours upon hours did you spend in that batting cage while you were trying to go through your career? Yeah. Oh my gosh. They're countless. I mean, and, and that's the, another funny thing about baseball is you can, in, in a lot of sports, the more hours you put in, the better you are. Like, you know, guys like Kobe Bryant put in so many hours and he was just one of the best. He would get up at four in the morning and train for hours and then, 
you know, have breakfast and then train again and then train. He was just, you know, obsessed with it. I know plenty of guys in baseball who have trained countless hours and never ended up going anywhere. And so baseball is so mentally taxing because I've seen plenty of guys put in little to no effort and then do extremely well. And then I've seen other guys who put in a ton of work and can't find any success. And so that's where I'm so passionate talking about the mental game, because for me, the difference wasn't necessarily that I trained harder. I think I trained smarter and I really put an emphasis on the mental game. And so when I talk about, you know, all the things I talk about on on TikTok and, and Instagram, it's like I, I'm really heavily focusing on the mental game because I think that's the uh, the best separator and how you can best understand the kind of player you are. I do know guys like who need to put in the work every single day. Guys like Josh Bell, like I saw him at, at spring training last year and the dude was in the cage hitting all every day, every morning for like three, four hours. And that's what he does. And he does well with it. And then, but I've also seen some guys, um, who would literally just show up to the field, take like five, six swings and they're just ready to go. And that's how they play the best. And so I think a lot of it is understanding what kind of player you, you are. And especially as you get to the higher levels, like understanding just what works best for you, both mentally and physically, um, at younger ages though, I'd say, you know, high school, uh, like in that range. Yeah practice your tail end off practice more than everybody else hit in the cage more hit the gym more like at, at that age uh it's all it's all about developing your body getting comfortable with your body you need um you need that time to investment but once you get to the older ages i think it 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 matters less because everyone's kind of on the same level physically everyone can do it uh that's when the mental game is is the the biggest separator in my opinion yeah, and as you know, it's it's wild because I've been through it from the age from T-ball all the way up now into the showcase level, and you know, hearing and watching all of our sales reps and their and their sons and and daughters playing ball, and and the biggest issue that they have is their mindset. So I think if a lot of people kind of take take more of a hard path on learning how to control your mind and learning how to stop thinking and caring what other people think about you. I think you have a much better success level at that age. Definitely. And and like you were mentioning earlier too, I think it it's stuff that carries into life later on. When I got first got started with social media, I had kind of this mental block of not wanting to post myself on on online because I was embarrassed of how I would look. And finally I came to terms with the fact, okay, someone out there has got to give good information on baseball. There's plenty of people who do it. If I post myself, it's it's actually not embarrassing. It's embarrassing in my head, but I have good things to share. It's okay if I put myself out there and uh, I don't have to worry about what other people think. I, I can do that and, and still bring value to this space. Um, and so even I felt like the the mental training that I did in baseball to, to ha- like kind of lose that fear of man a little bit, I think has really served me well as I've transitioned into content creation. And I can only imagine in business and, and other fields that, that it can be something that, that really benefits young kids. Absolutely. I'm glad you uh, got rid of that fear. Because, you know, we need your beautiful face. <laughs> I'm still working on getting that uh, that moisturizer deal. You know, I'm hoping that that comes through soon. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in to the Headbanger Sports Podcast, Beyond the Fence with uh, Chris, Mike and Rack. This is our our first solo episode. We don't have Jesse helping us out today, um, but I really enjoyed that conversation. I think we did pretty well, guys. We're going to have a lot more uh, a lot more information coming, especially on these things. And as, as Rack kind of comes up with more and more ideas and, you know, we'll throw some ideas in there, too. And we'll start to really hit on some of these and get more in depth with some of the videos that we post every day. Absolutely. We appreciate everybody tuning Hi, in Rack. to Beyond the Fence. And uh, we'll see you next time.